I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the Talk Film Society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Haren, assistant editor at TFS and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. Uh, each week, a guest and I discuss a film from his filmography, which we'll be going through in chronological order. On this episode, we'll be discussing The Matrix Revolutions. Joining me to talk about the final chapter of the trilogy are Marcelo Pico and Rob Dean. How's it going, guys? Hey, it's going great, hey. Sam. How's it going? Doing great. Uh, okay, so Marcel, you've been on, uh, so you know we know that you uh, worship at the altar of Keanu. Uh, but Rob, uh, yes. please tell us about uh, your history, your thoughts on Mr. Reeves. Um, I am a huge Keanu Reeves apologist, which doesn't mean I'm sorry for him. It means I will explain to anyone why I think he's brilliant all the time. Um, when Draft House... Uh, had in Austin had the Keanu Reeves marathon. I went to it. It was great. Um, I think he's a very singular actor that is kind of this great tabula rasa that basically is whatever the movie around him needs. Like he kind of manifests that in a way um, while still remaining that having that still that movie star stamp of like kind of the same personality at the same time. Mm So it's this really interesting balance that he's always able to pull off. And he also seems like a really nice guy from what I've heard from people. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we've uh, not to be a broken record here, but yeah, I am a fan, which makes sense. Uh, but uh, can I jump in? Real yes, quick? please uh, do, Rob. Uh, I had no idea you were at that Keanu Reeves marathon because I was there too with uh, Rocky, and it's so it's so, it's so funny that <laughs> we're talking Keanu and just a few. It was it was this past year, right? Yeah, forever ago. Yeah, this past year that, uh, and also Sam has gone on the record saying that 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 helped in um, in kind of starting this podcast, right? Yep, and uh, Greg McLennan was on uh, the Matrix episode, so it's all very, very circular right. and appropriate to the movie at hand. Also, with uh, you know uh, everything that has to do with the Matrix and the Wachowskis. Uh, so I'm glad you're both here. That you were both there, and I'm also jealous that I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've been having my own Keanu marathon all year, so it's been great. Uh, so <laughs> even better, yeah. So that brings us to uh, the Matrix Revolutions, which uh, divisive is uh, the least we can say about this movie. But <laughs> I am on the record of uh, loving it, uh, but I've also had a complicated history with it. Uh, I want to ask you both about your histories with it. Uh, let's start with you, Rob. Uh, do you remember? The first time you saw it, uh, talk about talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, the first time I saw it, it was really interesting because it was released the same year as Reloaded, which I don't think it really had happened as far as I can recall, um, where there were you know 
two entries in the same series. The closest analog we have now maybe is like a Marvel movie where Black Panther opens and then he shows up in Infinity War. Um, so it was really weird that they're like, oh, well, we'll see you later in six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Matrix Reloaded. Um, I wasn't aware that people didn't like it because I was just like, it had everything I thought. It was just really brilliant. Um, and then watching Matrix Revolutions, I still think it's really good. I think it's also the weakest of the Matrix films, but it's still very well done. Um, I think it just has some uh, pacing issues and um, just some moments where like you're kind of focusing on the wrong character. But overall, it's still you know so much more original, so much more compelling than most uh hero journey trilogies that come out um and it was you know has that very indistinguishable stamp that the wachowskis kind of bring so i remember like coming out of that being like it was good like it wasn't great but i still really liked it and i liked how it ended and i thought like it led to a lot more discussion for sure uh how about you marcello uh for me i i believe i've always loved this movie um i think so i think i think the first watch of it i'm like it's good. It's a good ending, but it, it's grown on me a lot over the last uh, few years. Well, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, but <laughs> I know, right? But but yeah, 15 years ago, uh, before Reloaded came out, I, mean, I was excited. I was pumped. Um, I I was like, reading all, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, excited that they were shooting it back-to-back, that the Wachowskis were back, that they were doing this trilogy. And once Reloaded came out, and the video game came out and the Animatrix came out. I just ate it all up. I I played the game, watched Animatrix, like maybe only like a, one of only a handful of anime things I could even stand. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I was obsessed after Reloaded came out. I was I was excited about it. I loved it. I read up all, on all the theories. Um, and I know after Reloaded came out, people's interests were waning. Right? Mm-hmm. It was mm. you know. People weren't as accepting of what the Wachowskis brought to the table in terms of like, um, you know, uh, heavy themes in their like in, in this huge action movie about like uh, spirituality, philosophy, and yeah, all that, philosophy, yeah, all crazy. of it. Mm-hmm. Like, they, yeah, they weren't ready for it. You know, with, and that's reloaded, and then we get to revolutions, and uh, so. I, but, but I was excited for revolutions. I watched the movie. I was like, yes, this is good. The appropriate ending to the series. Loved it. And of course, like Rob was saying, you know, not. <laughs> I think we. I think we might be in the minority. Maybe I feel like it, the tide is kind of turning on on this movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. at least I hope so. That people have, are, are coming back to it, you know, especially with like uh, this whole resurgence in uh, appreciating, reappreciating the Wachowskis' work. Uh, I hope more people come around to this one because this one. Yeah, it's it's the redhead stepchild of the of the entire series. Um, but I dig it. I I have a lot to say about it because I I do I do love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I come at it. Uh, I've said in the in the Matrix episode that I wasn't uh, allowed to see uh, any of them in theaters because I was uh, too young at the time. Uh, I mean, I was eight when the first one came out, so I was twelve when this one came out. Uh, and so, but it was weird because I remember my brothers all went to see it. And I remember they talked about how much they love Reloaded, and then I got to see that. I think I probably probably for the first time, like right before Revolutions came out, you know, like when it came out on DVD. Uh, so I had heard their disappointment at the time uh, of Revolutions, and also, you know, just the way everyone talked about it at the time. 
And so I had all that in my head when I first saw it. Uh, but again, I was 12, so I didn't really get necessarily the deeper themes of it, but I still thought it was a badass, awesome movie. I mean, there's giant mechs. I mean, you're going to like that when you're a kid, you know, like that's, uh, <laughs> especially when I, when the first one blew my mind. So I was kind of ready for whatever it had, but then for a while, I kind of accepted that general consensus that it was a colossal disappointment. Uh, and I kind of internalized that for a while, even though I hadn't seen it. Uh, but a few years ago, I was like, fuck it. I love these Wachowski. I love the Wachowskis. Let me, you know, I, so I binged all three in one day and I kind of had this new appreciation for it. And now since then, I've seen it probably four times since then. And yeah, I've come around on it big time. I just, I, I think it is definitely the messiest of the three, but it just nails it in terms of what they're, uh, as far as the goal they were going for, the themes they were trying to explore. Uh, and it was definitely not at all what anyone was expecting, which I think we'll definitely get yeah. into. Uh, I mean, the fact that it's very subversive in the way it treats the hero's journey, and I don't know if it's fully successful at that, and they've definitely done even better things since then, but I think this is ultimately the story they wanted to tell, and I'm, you know, very fond of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's something I've always appreciated. I think even back then when I saw it, I was like, this is the Wachowskis doing what they want to do. You know, uh, just, uh, I mean, I love those blockbusters that just have the director, have the filmmaker just go at it and just be themselves, you know, unfiltered. And I think that's, that's, the, that's revolutions to a T. Like, I think out of, out of, um, this one out of the three is the most Wachowski of them all, I think. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard for me to pick a favorite of the three. I know that may be blasphemy, maybe, because, you, you know, The Matrix is, you know, by all accounts, a masterpiece, mm-hmm. right? It's, it, it, it's a gold standard. But I love all three of them, maybe equally. And some days I'm like, oh, I love Revolutions. I love the way, the way it handles its end. But I also love Reloaded and, like, the freeway chase. But I just love how... Mm-hmm brilliantly structured the first Matrix so yeah um, but I will say yeah like I said before I think Revolutions is the most Wachowski of the three and that's why I think some days I love it more than the others and I almost yeah. think that I uh, I mean it's almost you can think of Reloaded and Revolutions almost as one movie because I mean they shot them mm-hmm. at the same time it's very similar to the way they did the Lord of the Rings movies where they filmed them all at once uh, and then released them you know in this one in this case the same year uh, and it I mean the ending of Reloaded, which we talked about, you know, it's very, it's as cliffhanger as you get. I mean, it's literally like they even have the big gun, 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 dun, you know, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I love, and this one literally picks up right at right after that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it starts in, like it. If you hadn't seen the other two movies, this movie's not going to make any sense. Like it, it literally starts with <laughs> just, oh, there's these people in weird sweaters in a, you know, in a. Hovercraft, like okay, let's get right into it. So, I mean, it's hard to think of them as separate movies, even though, uh, I mean, they are. But it's yeah. So I, I love all three for sure. But uh, we can get into you know the plot of this one. Uh, so, uh, you know, Reloaded ended with uh, Neo, you know, talking to the architect and shit, and like that. I love that scene. Uh, we won't get into too much of that, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it starts with, you know, Neo's unconscious, and we don't know what the hell's going on, and uh, I think it's a great beginning, for sure. 
Yeah, I love that. It jumps in immediately um, into, you know, just in media race where there is no like explanation of this. It's like, no, this is happening. So, like, it kind of seemed like they were already planning for this to be, you know, almost binged or watched back to back or something mm-hmm. because there is no, there's no even like an establishing scene where someone like gives like a weird analogy, like, the world as we once knew it was, this, you know, whatever, just like just dives right into it and there's no like previously on. And then just immediately goes into it and you just know that things are bad and our hero is unconscious and at a train station. Right. Uh, and I like that the fact that, you know, also uh, that both, uh, you know, Smith is in the body of this guy, Bane, and like they're both unconscious. And uh, I mean, that's great. Like they've established at this point that they're the, you know, Neo and Smith are their, you know, their polar opposites. Uh, and they're obviously going to come to a head with the fact that they both are on basically the same level at this point. Uh, although it's unclear if Bane is, like, perp- like, is he faking it? Is Smith, like, pretending to be unconscious just so they, you know, let their guard down around him? Uh, yeah, if, if, you know, if there's one thing, maybe one thing that kind of... Well, it's, it's something I've accepted over the years, but just one thing that just kind of, like... It didn't bother me, but just I was a little confused about was the whole Bane situation, right? Um... It plays well in on you know uh, on repeat viewings, obviously. But like when I first saw it, I'm like, and the, you know, going back to the Reloaded and, and the cliffhanger, when the camera you know tilts up and you see Bane's on the table. When I first saw it, I'm like, wait, who is that? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I remember that too. Like asking my brothers, like, and they had seen it already. And I'm like, what's that going on? And they're like, I don't know. We'll find out in a few months, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, and then yeah, and, the, and then like you guys said, we cut back to that, you know. Uh, Neo and, and Bane are, are unconscious, and we don't know what's going on in, in, in the real world. Um, but yeah, but then of course, on, on repeat, you know, it makes sense to me. It works out, you know, it could be fate that you know him and Neo are, are, are on the same ship, and all this has happened. So yeah, if there was one thing, I, I'd be, you know, it's not a problem, but just one confusing aspect of the, of the series is like Bane, his whole thing. Yeah, but but you know, but but, but by the end, and we'll get to it. I like how they handle right. Bane. Yeah, I mean, but at the time, yeah, I can yeah. see what I mean. I can see that though, like that they, uh, it's a little. They're not holding your hand at all. They're basically just saying like, I mean, that's and that's a big concept to grab, like the fact that he answered the phone and now Smith is inside the brain of this guy. You know, like it's. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, see, and <laughs> it, it, it's it's one of many of these like new. You know, world rules that they that they either change or, or they they add, and, and as we'll see, like in a scene later, you know, when Neo's like questioning the Oracle, it's like, hey, why is this happening? Why is this? Why this? Why this? And <laughs> the Wachowskis are like, this is the world now. You thought it was one thing, now it's something different. Yeah, I mean, so, so that's that's something as a viewer we have to get accustomed to. Yeah, like in this third movie, for sure. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it and it starts with uh, like Morpheus. Uh, asking where Neo, like, uh, basically he thinks that, because uh, of the way Neo talked about, I mean, he, at the end of Reloaded, he was, like, controlling machines with his mind in the real world, and that's also a new thing that he's able to do. I mean, it, if, if you think about it, it makes sense. Like, they're all connected to the Matrix. He's the one. He has, you know, power over the Matrix inside of it, so it makes sense when he comes out, but uh, they all think he's crazy. You know, it's basically everyone besides uh, Morpheus mm-hmm. and Trinity and Neo think this is all bullshit like they think it's insane like the captains are like we don't have time for this you know and uh so he asked them to uh search him for search for the matrix anyway and so basically neo is able to enter the matrix without being plugged in and that's a really interesting 
thing. And the fact that, but then again, it's the Wachowski, so he's just in a train station. And uh, but I, I love it. Yeah, he's in that train station with the easy anagram of Mobile Ave as for Limbo, mm-hmm. and then that's where he meets his new programs, including um, uh, this young girl who's an exile because. Basically, she's a special program, and her dad, who looks like an Indian uh, version of Wayne Cohn from the Flaming Lips, I was like, hey! <laughs> um, so they get to hang out. But it was just this interesting idea that you have, like, you start off with your most powerful superhero. And this is, like, a fairly common hero's journey trope, I guess, in trilogies forms. Is your most common superhero, like, is completely at a loss. He doesn't really have any powers. Right. He's just stuck there and it's like, I can't do anything. I'm just hanging out, waiting for a train to show up. And then I'm going to get yelled at by Bruce Spence. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. This, but then also just uh, the fact that it is, you know, the Wachowskis are, they know that this is the third installment of one of, you know, this movie changed everything. I mean, it, you know, the first one, it was very, uh, you know, very influential. People wanted to be there for it. And, the fact that they're mm-hmm. still... It's not just giving them action scene after action scene. It's literally just this weird metaphysical stuff that, uh, you know, him having these philosophical discussions with a program about yeah. what it means to be human and love. And, uh, I mean, yeah. I just love them for that, that they don't give a shit. They just want to tell the story that they're trying to tell. And, you know, you got to give them props for that. Yeah, I know. I, I, I love that. Yeah, I, I love that. Like in the, one of the first scenes of the movie, yeah, like you said, Sam, you, you meet a program, and then here's like a, a a new rule. It's like, hey, programs actually have a soul, and they understand love, and and Neo is learning all this just now as we are, <laughs> and now you're like, oh, so you know, all robots, all all this AI, they're not all evil. They they actually feel things, and they're you know they have emotions. Like, oh, okay, that changes things. So yeah, so that's that's like one of your first scenes in your huge you know, third entry blockbuster. That's what Ochoa's giving. And right. I, this scene uh, just illustrates to me that I think Neo is uh, Keanu's ultimate role. Like it's just the role he was born to play. He's just perfect as this. I mean, uh, the next one would be John Wick because that was tailored for him. But in this one, it just mm-hmm. feels like I couldn't see anyone else playing Neo convincingly. And it makes me think that these people that want to make a new Matrix movie without the Wachowskis is, you know, it's bullshit anyway, but you'd never get someone as good, like, just this, Keanu's, you know, it's very much, he's a man of few words, he is basically just reacting to this stuff, and it's just really great. I mean, someone who would be talking a bunch and over-emoting would just ruin this scene, and so the fact that he's, like, just, like, he's very willing to go along with this, even though he's, like, he, he doesn't get what they're saying. He doesn't get how a program could feel love, but the way Keanu plays it is so great. Like he doesn't get it, but at the same time, he's willing to, you know, uh, go with it. And like Keanu just, you know, he is Neo. Yeah. And he definitely has that. He brings a kind of like Bodhisattva type situation where she's just like very peaceful, no matter how, and it's kind of a aesthetic throughout the films is that even during like the fight scenes, for the most part, he's very calm. And like, I'm sure some people would have, to write it as like wooden, but it's actually no, it's just very calm and kind of assessing the situation. And you find out in the first matrix, like that's actually the power is by being calm, by being a student, he's able to see the matrix as code. He doesn't see these people. He's able to see it and therefore command it and, you know, dominate and be able to do things that no one else can do because he is able to be that restful and studious. 
and inquisitive. Yeah, and one of my favorite uh, Neo slash Keanu moments is when he's in Mobile Ave and he does the whole Looney Tunes thing, like going through the tunnel, <laughs> coming back. His reaction is is priceless, and very few actors can pull off that, you know, super silly little bit and have it still be like like serious, like fit in the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can only see Keanu doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, just like the Pac-Man thing where he, you know, come out, go through one, come out the other <laughs> side. Yeah, uh, great reaction for sure. And uh, and then while this is going on, uh, obviously Trinity and Morpheus are trying to find out where the hell Neo is. Uh, Seraph makes contact, and this is where we uh, meet the new Oracle. Because uh, unfortunately, uh, the actress that played her in the first two passed away between movies. Uh, but the, the way that they handle it is just so... I don't think there's any better, uh, just the way they, they basically had to rewrite it, but it just, it, I mean, it kind of fits the way they fit it in with the, uh, the story and make, but make it respectful to the original actress is really well done. Yeah. And it's all, it's all, um, she explains it away in one line, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, I had to make a choice and this is what happened after making that choice. And that's it. You, You buy it. And it's because they're in this world that, you believe that'll happen. You know, a program can change face uh, because they made a choice. And yeah, I, I love the, the, the actress they, they cast, uh, Mary Alice, um, who I, I was watching like some behind the scenes stuff before this. Uh, but apparently, Mary Alice worked with you know, Goya uh, Forster, the, mm-hmm. the, the original Oracle. Yeah, you know, worked mm-hmm. on Broadway, and they, they knew each other really well. So it's perfectly the cast, you know, friend of, of Forster's to play the Oracle. Because like she still has, like, she captures that. Oracle presence, you know, uh, almost just as well as, as the original Oracle. So I love the casting choice in that. Yeah, and she's not like doing a like impersonation either. It's very much like, and it works like the way she again. She explains it in one line, like I'm different now, and but I'm also the same. And like, yeah, it's a really well done. And it, again, we don't we don't care. We just move on. It's it's okay. Like we miss Gloria Foster, but then at the same time, we're like, it's not. Uh, it just they do it in a way that's not distracting anymore. It's just okay. We get it. Let's go. Let's move on. Uh, and uh, she tells them that uh, Neo has the Merovingian, or Merovingian. Uh, the French dude has basically uh, mm-hmm. has him trapped here just because uh, he pissed him off. Like that's really he's just this power. You know, and she's, there's this great line of like, uh, you know, what all men with power want. You know, I think it's in the second movie with you know what all men with power want more power. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, but then it just leads to them uh, the next rave scene. Every you know all Matrix movies have a rave scene, and people make fun of that. But I think it's perfect. I don't know why that you know it's just it works. So uh, and this is a they basically are going to hell here, and they aren't subtle about it. The club is called Club <laughs> Hell. Uh, and but I, I you know the, the production design is great. Like the uh, the colors are amazing. Uh, you know Bill Pope. Does a great job uh, in everything he does, but uh, yeah, and then it just gets to our first action scene, you know, fight scene in the movie. And uh, what do you guys think of this zero gravity fight scene? Uh, I personally I love it. I think the whole sequence is really interesting because um, first off, you have the bouncers or bodyguards, mm-hmm. whatever. They all look like Grant Morrison <laughs> during like the middle of the Invisibles run. <laughs> And Grant Morrison famously said that the Matrix ripped off the Invisibles. So I was like, that's kind of funny. Um, but then with the lobby scene, it's basically the ending of the first one. It's the exact same, like, you know, 
they enter in and they start shooting up the place. Columns are mm-hmm. blowing up, but then they add this whole anti-gravity thing. They um, switch it up more. So it's basically like, you know, like they're already topping what they've done before and showing like, no, it's actually going even further than you thought possible. Um, and then it also ties in with both in that shooting scene or the action sequence. And then when they actually go into the club, um, you see a lot more S and M gear, which again goes towards, you know, the running themes of dominance and submission and control. Um, so I think those, it's just a lot of layers that they're actually able to pack into what could just be thrown away as it's a action scene in a rave, but it's actually, no, there's actually a lot, it's a little weird, like very interesting ways of incorporating a bunch of themes and callbacks that I think is pretty original. Yeah, the Wachowskis do nothing by accident. I mean, that's shown through all their stuff. Yeah. And, uh, like, and I, it were, you know, the whole, these are all exiles. This is like a club of exiles. So it, and they've mm-hmm. established that they're all kind of like, they're basically vampires. So like, they're kind of like, they're, they're like basically <laughs> flying and also just Trinity doing a bunch of awesome shit and shooting people. And, uh, you know, like just the uh, Morpheus, you know, kicking ass in his green tie, and you know, it's just wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and, and like like uh, Rob was saying, I do love that it's a direct callback to the first movie, even to the tag at the end of it, like mm-hmm. the tag of the first movie after that shootout. You know, they they go in the elevator, they leave, and like a piece of um, like of the wall crumbles, and you know, that's in the scene. And then here in Revolutions, they walk away and. <laughs> The guy in the wall falls over, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the end of the scene. So it, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, Sam, it, they're they're very aware of what they're doing, and I love that they're just trying to amp it up. They're like, hey, this is this is not a straightforward shootout. Now I have people jumping on ceilings and, and running around upside down. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, and then that that next shot of like them just going in the club and the the way that they're just there's this great where they're like back to back and just like circling through the yeah. crowd, pointing gun- yeah. Love it, uh, and and then yeah, and then it, it, that scene. Un, you know, you think, oh, there's gonna be more fighting, but instead of the Merovingians, just like, all right, stop. Like, let's we're gonna <laughs> talk, we're gonna have uh, our cool philosophical uh, mumbo jumbo again. That I get, like, I can kind of get why that's not for everyone, but I just love that it stops in the middle of an action scene just to have this big, uh, you know, uh, ambiguous discussion of. Uh, what it means to be, you know, like him talking about cause and effect some more, and you know, like, uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's. I love that it's setting you up to be like um, a continuation of Reloaded in terms of, you know, him coming in, offering them something, it, you know, it it not going the way they want it, mm-hmm. you know, but then. My one of my favorite parts in this movie is like when Trinity's like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's, yeah, he's about to say that. Oh, you're gonna have to go on this big journey again. Like, bring me the yeah, eyes yeah, of the yeah. oracle, and they're gonna have to do this thing. And she's like, "No, I'm just gonna point my gun at you." Yeah, exactly. And then and then it goes how he doesn't want it to. <laughs> so yeah, so she she she's just tired of that. She, she's going through her own journey about mm-hmm. choice, and there's an option A, an option B, and she's like, "Fuck this!" So I go with like option Z, and. You know, she points the gun at his head and says, you know, give us Neo. And, and I love that. It just cuts the chase. Because you think, again, you think they're going to go on another journey, you know, somehow take the Oracle's eyes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> give it to Merv. But no, it's not, it's not, that's not how it's going to go. Yeah, I love that. Right. She goes like, you know, your move, Merv. Like, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, track back a little bit uh, to, uh, don't want to skip over Bruce Spence's great 
uh, over the top <laughs> train man, uh, where like there's this moment we you know where uh, uh, Sati's dad's trying to like get him to, you know, he's like, I love this, like that he's like a sympathetic, an empathetic uh, program who cares about Neo because he knows that he's also there for the same reason that he is and you know, for love, and it like tries to get him on the train, but then Bruce Spence is just hamming it up gloriously as a hobo with long hair and you know like uh and the way he like you know there's this great line where he says down here i'm god like it's just you know i love it another thing i really like that's interesting to me i was thinking about this time and previously uh from the previous times I've seen it, is that I was realizing that, like, at Club Hell, like, you know, while they're having this raid, like, their world is coming to an end because, like, Smith is spreading mm-hmm. everywhere. So it's just a bunch of just, like, kind of oddball rejects, exiles, werewolves, vampires, whatever uh, mutants that they are, are basically like, well, we're going to dance the night away. <laughs> like, things aren't working out for us. Let's just have fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of like a, and it's also very similar to in Reloaded when they have that rave before they launch their campaign. And, and it's also things that happen in like Sense8 and Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of stuff where that kind of keeps happening in Wachowski stuff, which is the idea of like, like we're on the precipice of apocalypse. We're on the precipice of Armageddon. But we can still take time to just enjoy the moment yeah. with abandon. And it's kind of interesting. In this case, the quote unquote villains are doing it, but it's still an interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, I like how the mayor, the mayor of Indians basically like the, he, he understands that the system is rigged and instead of trying to do something about mm-hmm. it, he's just using it to like, you know, be a, have Bacchanalia fun and just like take advantage of people and just, have as much power as he can get from the situation and uh yeah so like the hack that it's a all-out snm rave kind of makes sense that they're just mm-hmm. doing what they need to do uh yeah it's yeah. just nero playing the fiddle as everything burns and he's like all right good times and and, and before and before we skip skip ahead um <laughs> to the next scene i want to point out another one of my favorite moments is the moment when Tr- when trinity does you know you know uh you know Knocked a gun out of the guy's hand. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's all that fighting. The shot of Monica Bellucci uh, reacting to it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her face, <laughs> like just in like a little gasp and awe, like a smile. I love that shot. I just want to point that out. Because I love Monica Bellucci yeah. and I love that shot in particular. Of just her reacting to Trinity getting. Yeah, it works for her character too because she's like, she's sick of this kind of. She, she's never experienced that. Like, it's another thing of a program being fascinated by actual human emotion and like she, she's fascinated by it she's like yeah, I hate yeah. this guy the, the, <laughs> yeah the fact that the, the Merovingian is getting his comeuppance and Trinity's you know coming out ahead uh, yeah it's, it's yeah so then uh, Trinity and Neo finally reunite uh, and I, there's just something that, that occurred to me during this one is that movies where like the the romance actually is actually effective like it it feels like we don't see that as much in giant movies anymore and I feel like and the fact that they actually show them like making out instead of just like like it's like uh i don't know they just have great chemistry and like they never there's never a scene with them together when they're not just like full-on making out and i'm 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 okay with that (laughs) (laughs) i i i have to say i've said this i said this on twitter and probably many times in my life but carrie ann moss she's amazing and she's perfectly cast in this and you do believe Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it, it's that line that uh, Monica Bellucci's character says. It's like, um, what is it? It's like, uh, oh, she'll, she'll, she'll kill us all because, she, you know, she has that love, mm-hmm. right? And you totally believe that because Carrie Ann Moss 
completely sells that. And she sells it with her chemistry with uh, Keanu Reeves, too. So, yeah, I, I love the both of them together. Uh, and so, and this is where, yeah, Neo, before they leave the Matrix, he's like, I have to go see the Oracle one last time. Uh, and I just love every scene with Keanu and the Oracle. Even I mean, it's just props to uh, Mary Alice, like, that she did a great job of uh, stepping into that role and that they have also, like, you care about the way, uh, you know, like, showing how she doesn't have the answers that he's looking for. And that's kind of the whole point of these movies is that they're not going to have the answer. You can seek it. You can look to spirituality and that kind of thing for and philosophy for guidance. But at the end of the day, it's it's just up to Neo. Like, she doesn't know anything. She just knows basically that he's going to make one choice or the other. And uh, I just I just love all those uh, conversations. And it people have always complained that they're overly convoluted or that they don't actually make sense. But I think it's kind of the point. Like, that's... Uh, you can say all this stuff as much as you want, but in the end, it just comes down to him making a choice. And I just love hearing them. I could listen to that kind of dialogue all day. Yeah, and I think what works really well in... In that scene, in the scene at Club Hell, in the architect scene at the end of Reloaded, is it's actually, and I know people have complained about, or did complain when it came out, is that there's like a lot of info dumping or a lot of exposition. But I was like, that's how a computer program would explain something. Like a computer program would just tell you everything. It wouldn't be like, and that wouldn't be like obsequious or like kind of like, you know, like hinting at stuff. It would be very much like, this is all I know. Next prompt. Mm-hmm. This is all I know, and so on. So I think it kind of does a great job of incorporating that really technological aspect while weaving it into the you know um, the mysticism aspect of it as well. And it also does a really good job of kind of hand waving away a plot contrivance, which is she's like when uh, Keanu's like, "Why didn't you tell me?" And then she's like, "Because you didn't want, you weren't ready to know yet." Right. It's like. Like, which is at the one time being like, yeah, that's kind of why we didn't hint at it before. But it's also like, that makes sense in terms of spiritual journeys where like, you're not ready to accept this fact mm-hmm. yet. Like you have to get to that point where you're able to accept it. Then you can move on to the next level and so on and so forth. Right. And that's part of, you know, that evolution that this character has to go mm-hmm. on. And then, yeah. And then after that, she's kind of, this is where she reveals that like, uh, Smith is t- basically assimilating every program and every, human mind in the matrix and he's gonna uh, she basically you know, says that he's gonna he wants to destroy the matrix which we know he said that before but to the point where now he's at this point where he just he wants to destroy everything because that's what he thinks he needs to do he thinks he needs to exert his will on everything and it's just great to the you know uh i've said i said this in the last episode or in the first episode where of the matrix where uh if you look at this movie as a uh, i'm not the person to speak on this but as a trans metaphor, like it, it all works to that point where he is again, like he believes in this binary, but also to the point where he yeah. needs to, uh, his way is the only way and he needs to, you know, dominate uh, the culture. And like, I think that's really powerful. Again, there's many articles that I can post links to that of people mm-hmm. that are much more qualified to speak on that. But yeah, I, I you know, th- you're thinking about it now. And glad you brought that up, Sam. Yeah, like, Smith is obsessed with, like, winning, with taking control. And that plays a big part, and we'll talk about it when we get to the end, of, like, the outcome of Smith versus Neo. You know, how you see, you know, Neo winning or Smith winning, but then there's another option that we didn't think of, so. Yeah, and it is also that idea of 
is the core concept basically of the entire trilogy that started with the first one and continues on, which is conformity or the, you know, the popular choice or whatever it is versus the individual, you know, whether it's the system, it's the system essentially versus the individual. Mm -hmm. And then the way through is the way that the individual wins is through basically choosing their own path. That is kind of a part of the binary. Like they combine the best parts of the binary and move forward that way. So yeah, that is, whether it's racial, socio socioeconomic, um, gender, or sexuality, it all kind of ties into this idea that like they're able to overcome, you know, this spread of dominance from one particular source. Mm-hmm. For sure, uh, and and the way that they, I mean, and, and then after Neo leaves, there's this scene. Of, there's always scenes in their movies where it makes me want to think, like, what were the Wachowskis like going full on horror be? Because this scene is really great, like. <laughs> of Smith, uh, like coming in and, uh, they like, don't show them at first. And it's just like the reactions of mm-hmm. Seraph and Sati trying to escape. And like, just that there's no escape. And it's really like, that that's like oppression, you know, like that they're mm-hmm. literally, there's no way to the, to the point where he's actively going to turn them into him. Like that's, I mean, you can't, it's not subtle, but I don't like, I don't go to the Wachowskis for subtle. I go for operatic mm-hmm. and it, it's also just like kind of an intense scene. Yeah, uh, you're saying operatic, and what comes to mind is like uh, the next scene when, yeah, Smith uh, takes over the Oracle, mm-hmm. and Hugo Weaving gives the most maniacal laugh I've <laughs> probably ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it's wonderful, yeah. And it's yeah. Um, I love how 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 they amp it up. How he is the villain. He is you know, Neo's counterpoint to the point where, yeah, he, he he's enjoying every second. Yeah, I mean, and it's just like the. Hugo Weaving's performance, we, again, we talked about this in the Matrix episode, but, like, just, he's so good in this. I mean, everyone's great in this, but Hugo Weaving, just, like, the way he flips in and it just, uh, he's just almost, you know, he's not a human, and he does that, sells that really well, that he's just, like, this malevolent program, and it it's, uh, yeah, he does amazing work. Uh, and, yeah, so now, this that's basically saying that now Smith has basically everyone in the matrix because now neo and you know morphe or and morpheus and trinity are out and so they're basically you know he has everything now and that sets up the stakes right there in the matrix uh and now uh, basically the rest of the movie is set in the you know in the real world which is great except that you know obviously the final scene but uh mm-hmm. yeah so uh neo's awake uh now Bane, uh, Bane Smith, we'll call him, uh, <laughs> wakes up and uh, claims to have no memory of this massacre where they basically there's only two ships left out uh, out of Zion, and it's you know it's because uh, the Nebuchadnezzar's blown up and there's a massacre, and he basically claims that he has no memory of it. But it's like it's great that you know at this point we know that he's Smith, but the uh, others don't. But it's like just great seeing this other actor basically channeling the uh you know weaving smith uh speech patterns and like just being yeah. really creepy yeah ian bliss the actor does a great job and uh one of my favorite things is when he's describing what happened like when the first time he's like and then i realized that perhaps i just want someone to be like you know who he sounds exactly like i just want like one person like you know it sounds weird <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I, like we've talked to agent smith before like it sounds just like yeah it. <laughs> 
<laughs> it would just be an awkward moment where he's like, is anyone else getting that vibe? I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I don't know. Oh, Bane, he's always so sad. <laughs> yeah, the classic Bane classic doing impressions. Bane. Anyway. Uh, yeah, and then uh, we get to, uh, they find the Logos and Niobe ship. I love, I, I'm just really, one of the things I love about these sequels is, uh, I think Jada Pinkett Smith does an amazing, just, she's, Niobe's just so badass and uh, in control of everything and doesn't, you know, take shit from anyone. I, uh, I just love her in this. I think she does it. Amazing job. Uh, have have either of you played the video game? Yes. The uh, Enter the Matrix? Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah that's, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And it had her character right as the lead. Yeah, there was, yeah her crew was the yeah, lead. Yeah, it's her and Ghost. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember it fondly. I mean, I don't know how well it'll play today. Probably not that well. But, like, um, it, 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 it did a pretty good job of connecting, you know, yeah. into Reloaded and into Revolutions. Mm-hmm. And it gave her a lot to do. I think she even met like the Oracle in that in the video game, mm-hmm. and we have a lot to do. So, um, I, I think all that footage is on like the the Blu-ray and DVD. So at least it's it's on there somewhere. But yeah, I I like Jada Pinkett Smith. I like doing this, and she's a complete badass. And, and we'll get to you know her piling that chip and everything. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. she does in this, I'm like, yes, get it. <laughs> so, do you think it was really awkward in the Smith household when she took it on? Oh, because that's right. famously, because, yeah, Will Smith, Will Smith yeah. was supposed to be Neo. And she's like, well, I'm going to be in it. And then do you think then Will Smith was like, well, I heard the third one didn't do well. I feel like there must have been like a weird, <laughs> like, catty back and forth about the whole situation. Oh, boy. That's right. I, I, I didn't connect that. Just so. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith being like, oh, I hope you have fun in Australia. It's great. Uh, yeah, that, I had never thought about that either. Thank you, Rob, uh, for a new now headcanon of... <laughs> Yeah, it was very tense and the bickering Smiths. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so this sets up uh, now the show back in Zion uh, of Locke, basically like again not having any. I, I like it, but I, I like how they do Locke. Like he's kind, of, you know, he's kind of a jerk, but at the same time he's not wrong. Like he's, you know, it's just his job is yeah. to protect Zion. Like that's literally his uh, purpose in life. Again, back to the whole themes of purpose and. Uh, you know, he like doesn't really have time for uh, them prophecies and stuff, and you know, uh, but like at the same time, he's like, you know, basically uh, they set up that the Sentinel army's coming. Uh, I mean, even in it's funny that I picked up on this that in Reloaded they say it's like 24 hours until they all die, and so like the fact that you waited five months and then this whole movie's basically set over uh, a period of a yeah. day is pretty great, uh, and. So basically, Locke, the whole it sets up this uh, this army of mechs is going to hold this dock uh, to protect the you know uh, men, women, and children uh, below deck, and basically protect all of humanity. Uh, and I, you know, the I wish I almost I really like this whole this council is great. Uh, like Cornell West is in there. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Anthony Zerby. Yeah, uh, from a Mega Man, uh, yeah, and it's it's great. Uh, but so basically, this is a war film. Like this is, uh, mm-hmm. if you think of the first one as a, you know, they're all cyberpunk because at, at the core. But at the same time, like the first one's, you know, a mystery and an action film. The second one's a full on like, you know, all out fight action movie. And then this one's basically it's a war film. It's got there's three fronts. There's uh, Zion protecting itself, and then there's uh, Morpheus and Niobe uh, uh, basically trying to get back to you know help fight with because the, they're, the they're the only ship with an EMP left basically, uh, and then the third front is uh, 
this this is where Neo requested a ship that him and Trinity are going to go uh, to the Machine City. And again, the whole... Uh, there's this great word. No one believes them except... The, but then Jada Pinkett Smith probably has her best line in the movie where she's like, uh, you know, I don't believe in the one, but I believe in him. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It's a great, great moment. Yeah, I, I, I want to get back to Neo Trinity and Bane here in a second. But this... I like that... Um, you know, the film doesn't intercut as much as you think it would. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's 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 Neo's story, right, for the most part. Um, but we don't see him for a large portion of it because we're focused on this, on, uh, on the war, uh, on Morpheus and, like, what's going on in Zion and and just this long... It's a, it's, it has to be, like, at least 30 minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it always felt a bit long, but that's... But the fact they don't cut away from it, the fact that you just stare with them, yeah, I, I, I you know, um, when it's all said and done, I do like that. That, yeah, like sits in. It's a war movie, like, like uh, the promise of, you know, the war you know, of, of the machines. Like it's here. Like it was all set up in the first movie, and now you see it here in four. And I think it, 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 it uh, it's, it's a huge payoff, for sure. Yeah, and I, and I also think it's an interesting you know, just talking about the cross cutting, that there isn't, you know. There isn't the three storyline crossing like in like Return of the Jedi where it goes, you know, from Endor to Lando to mm-hmm. Luke, you know, constantly cost going between all three. Or something like Infinity War where it kinda cut cuts yeah. back and forth a little bit there too, uh later. Um but I think, you know, in this one they're actually are just like they'll stay with, you know, basically the dock fight for a very long time. Then they'll cut to uh you know, uh, Niobe and Morpheus and they'll cut back to the dock fight, and that's kind of it. And it's also but it's for extended period of time. It's not constantly cutting back and forth to show, you know, to create that sort of war on three fronts feel. It's just more like these are happening concurrently, and it's just much more sustained and controlled than you'd probably expect at this point in 2010. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, like they, they're just expecting you to follow along. Like at this point, this is probably what's happening, and <laughs> but they don't need you to constantly be cutting back. And it's, yeah, it's very, it's unique to this almost. And, uh, yeah, and then and, and and the fact that they stay so long with the with these characters, with these smaller characters, mm-hmm. like it makes me um, connect with them more. Like that kid who the this the, the I forget the kid's name. It, no, his name's just the uh, kid. kid. His just name's the kid. kid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, the kid that in anim- in the animatrix they showed Neo help yeah. get out, and yeah, and like it's transubstantiation. That's the line. But we're basically... That's how much I've seen Animatrix so much. I'm like, I remember that line. Transassociation. They said it was just theory. But, uh, yeah. So Uh, we basically... We followed the kid, uh, this Captain Mifune, who's awesome. Uh, Yeah, Mifune. R.I.P. Mifune. (laughs) Uh, And then also uh, Link's wife, uh, Z, uh, who uh, Aaliyah was originally supposed to play uh, in the movies, but Mm -hmm. she uh, passed away. And uh, so, like... uh, But, again, they... I like that they focus on this. Uh, basically, this just the story of these three of uh, these characters. Uh, you know, basically like her and a rocket launcher doing as much as she can to you know fight the drills and. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Smith, uh, uh, Bane Smith, uh, it comes to comes to uh, basically you know stows away on. Uh, so Neo and Trinity take Niobe's ship. Uh, he stows away, and then there's this. Uh, I don't. I, I like this. I like this sequence a lot. Like the uh, the fight between just the way it's shot is really interesting. And again, another kind of 
it's almost like a slasher. Like it's really, you know, it's almost another, uh, got some horror vibes to it. But, uh, I remember people kind of complaining about how, uh, we don't try to defend this movie too much, but the, you know, just the way they said that it kind of feels like it's suddenly a different kind of movie. But I kind of like that about these three is that they all feel different, Mm -hmm. uh, while also feeling part of the same world. But yeah, I, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. My only issue with it was, uh, I was like, Keanu Reeves could definitely take that guy. (laughs) I was just like, like, (laughs) I was like the one part is like, I mean, it's the problem when like your avatar in the matrix basically looks exactly like, yeah, I was like, no, he definitely could. Keanu Reeves could definitely take Ian Bliss. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Bliss. But it was like the one thing I was like, I don't buy this. Maybe he has secret agent Smith powers when he becomes human. I don't know. But Beyond that, though, the rest of it looks great and is well executed. Yeah, and he does like when they do the cool like jumping to the shadows. Oh yeah, like, when he because he uh, blinds Neo. Uh, I mean, and I remember freaking out about that like when I was like the first time. Like, <laughs> oh shit, our heroes now. And uh, but even just the, the makeup effects are really gross. Like they show you can like yeah. see almost like the white goo that used to be his eyes. Like I was like noticed that especially in this like I was watching it the 4K version. I'm like, oh my god, that's just that's really well done and really gross. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It was one of the most genuinely surprising moments of the movie for me because I had no idea that was coming when I first saw it. Like, oh, Neo just gets blinded. And, and going to your point, Rob's like, yeah, like Neo could take on this Bane guy. But then once Bane <laughs> blinds Neo, I'm like, oh. Yeah, then becomes a level playing field. Yeah, it's, it's a level playing <laughs> But yeah, and then that, but, the, but I like how they play it. Like, yeah, the way he's backing into the shadows, like, I have an advantage now. But then Neo's like, I can see you, motherfucker. And like, I'm just going <laughs> to. And it's the Wachowski saying, hey, we're changing the rules again. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> and I, I love that. It's like, all of a sudden, yes, he can see the light. He can see energy. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. He can see the energy. And that's how he takes down Bane. So, um, yeah, again, it may be because the Wachowskis keep, you know, changing the rules to, to, it's, it's, it's to, you know, to keep you on your toes to say, hey, what you thought before, that's no longer true anymore. Like we're, we're changing things. Mm. So that's like the entire, like a species of the matrix. It's like to, to, to change your point of view. There is no A, B, there's something else. So yeah. I love that fact that all of a sudden Neil has this power and is able to use it to his advantage. Yeah, and then this is where we, again, this is the part where we cut away from Neo and yeah, for a full like 30, 20 to five, 25 to 30 minutes, it's just this fight. It's the, the mech fight to hold the docks and, uh, I think I think the sequence is great. Like it, the I mean, this is one of the early uh, scenes of this kind of. I mean, this it's funny that this and you know Lord of the Rings came out right at the same time, and that they basically mm-hmm. changed the game forever in terms of uh, these fully CG uh, fights. But I think this puts a lot. This sequence puts a lot of modern ones to shame in terms of following things around, following things along, and the visuals of it are. It's never. Uh, I mean, it's chaos on purpose, but like you can, it's always clear what's happening. And I think it's, uh, in terms of, and it, the effects have held up surprisingly well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And yeah, the geography is really well established. Um, mainly because they're basically just like, we're paying attention to this bridge mm-hmm. and then we're looking at this, like, you know, where everything is, it is very like chaotic with the swarming of the, or swarming of the, um, sentinels and everything. But you know where everything is laid out, mm-hmm. as opposed to something like I know this is the easy target, but like 
Michael Bay's Transformers movies where like you don't know where anything is in relation to each other. You're like, wait, where's that guy? Where'd he come from? <laughs> like this one, you're like, okay, this guy, like you know, this person has to get here from this point to point B, or this is happening in this section. Like you understand the layout, which informs you and it helps you actually connect with what's going on. So I think that was you know it shows that that deft you know um, understanding of uh, layout and structure. For sure, uh, and and uh, one one thing I want to point mm-hmm. out is um, the fact that uh, watching this movie and comparing it to other blockbusters uh, with the same sort of you know hyper action is that I love that this is rated R because yes. um, they play so well with the violence and not being graphic because you know graphic is graphic for the sake of being graphic, but it's graphic in that it's painful <laughs> and yeah. mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel for these characters and each. Um, and one when one dies, you feel that, especially Mifune. Oh man, <laughs> who gets that, it? Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. Real I mean, bad. Yeah, the way that they. But again, the the stakes here are really well established, and the fact that like mm-hmm. uh, how quickly we you know they have maybe a couple scenes with Mifune and the kid together, but like they sell it really well, and uh, the kid was kind of annoying and, and reloaded a little bit on purpose. Like Neo yeah. was a kind of be, a, a, but the I think they actually earned that really well, where he's like. It ends up between these two, uh, these two characters that are uh, not, you know, members of the ma- They don't go into the Matrix and kick all kind of kung fu ass, but like him and it basically comes down to him and uh, Z. But yeah, before that, that moment where there's that swarm of, it's like it's re- it's really brutal. Like the Mifune and the he just has like these giant gashes in his face. Like that, I remember that being one of the most violent things I had seen at the time. Like when I first saw it, like wow. <laughs> And, and that was that one, also, one hell of a yeah. scene. Oh, go ahead, bro. I was going to say, the uh, when Z's partner, I don't know her name, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right, yeah. She gets stabbed through the calf. Oh, man. I was like, damn, all right. <laughs> I completely forgot that happened, but I was rewatching. I was like, oh, I remember her, like, dying, but I didn't remember that part. I was like, all right. Yeah, that, that's... Really, uh... <laughs> yeah, that stab to the to the calf, and that, that that's what pins her down, and then what gets her is, like, the the the, the tentacle through the chest. Yeah. Like, oh. It's like it, it's a semi-quick shot, but you see it and mm-hmm. you feel it, and you're like, "Oh, I'm like, oh fuck!" There, there goes that character. <laughs> so yeah, but again, it play, it plays so well with the violence and the all rated. Mm-hmm. So I, I I like that the Wachowskis. I mean, give the Wachowskis you know a goddamn R rated sci-fi movie again. <laughs> you know, yes, happens. please, please, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we beg you. Uh, yeah, and so while this is happening, I, I love that like. Uh, the way that they, uh, like, Naomi being a be- like the best pilot ever, like, she's, like, going mm-hmm. through, she does this badass move where, like, I love the where the other captain's like, holy shit, I didn't know the ship could do that. Like, it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then it all leads to, like, they have to get in there to launch the EMP, uh, and they do that just it's really well put, edited, and, like, the uh, they have to blow the gate open right at the last second, uh, trigger the MP and then there's this great like again where it's subverting what you'd expect is there's like the celebration moment you know like a, almost like a right stuff or a pilot thir- like we're like mm. yeah like everyone in the control room uh, super happy and then Locke's like you know we're fucked right like, it's like <laughs> uh, Harry Lennox good job does a great job there and, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's it's his character you know <laughs> in, in one in one line of dialogue it's like hey you know you just ruined it for the rest of us <laughs> And it, 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 it reminds me of it's, you need this character in these types of action movies, you know, going to, you know, not the villain, but, you know, not with the hero, but just kind of, you know, throwing out, you know, logic in terms of like, hey, hero, mm-hmm. 
you know, you can't go around doing all this. You know, like the captain the Die Hard. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know, but not as moronic as that guy. But still, it's like, and I think he does a good job. Like you were saying earlier, Sam, like yeah. he's not a bad guy. You know, he he's he has reason behind what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, he's in there just to remind everybody, hey, you know, we're still fucked. Yeah, and yeah, he does a good job of pulling that off. Uh, my favorite part, though, of uh, after they set off the EMP and the hammer crash lands, and then they come out and everyone's celebrating, the first person to come out to cheers is the shitty uh, white guy captain, who the entire time has been like, this will never work. Everything's fucked. And then he comes out and he's like, yes, shower me with applause. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my plan succeeded. We did it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so then it's basically there. They retreat. It's just almost, you know, the... Helm's deep moment where they're like, you know, retreat to the, mm-hmm. we're basically all going to die. Let's just see how long we can survive. Uh, they're about to bust through. Uh, and then, yeah, now it cuts back to, now it's basically Neo and Trinity for the rest of the movie. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so they, basically it's all up to Neo now. It's up, see what they can do. Uh, and then this is a great, where Trinity and Neo uh, arrive at the, fields and we kind of this is the first time we see it from this kind of perspective of just like how massive these things are i mean there was this shot and obviously in the first one where they uh get neo out but it's like here it's just like how huge everything is and the machines and like how is neo and you know, how are they going to do this and uh it's really well established in in terms of the just how big the enemy is and uh yeah and yeah. then they follow the uh, power lines to the city uh, and then this massive fleet and like these cute you know basically but there's this really beautiful scene where they so they're like uh, first Neo's like trying to he's blowing up as many sentinels as he can but there's just way too many and uh, and then they do this thing where they probably the most beautiful shot in the movie is when they go up above the clouds and uh, it's almost like I know it's probably you know We'd have a, maybe a more photo real look at the sunset and stuff so, of na- nowadays, but I love how it's almost painterly and like it looks like and it, it works like it's almost to the spiritual side of things and uh, just the and then uh, tragedy strikes. Uh, well, it's also the first time a human has seen right. the sun in however yeah. however long. And also the other person that's there can't see it because he's blind. So it's like this interesting weird moment. So of course, yeah, you'd have like that kind of. Thomas Kincaid, Master of Light type of uh, uh, spiritualism aspect to the paint, yeah, the drawing of the or the rendering of the sun. Yeah, and and uh, rewatching it uh, the, the other day, uh, that pinkish, you know, you know, not not real, but like hyper real uh, moments when they, yeah, when they peek through the clouds at the sun. It reminds me of the end of this movie, which we'll get to. And and that sunset, you know how, how how that is. So I love that connection. How that you know that pinkish, you know hyper sweet feel is is mirrored in, in those two sequences. Right, and the fact that yeah, and again, like uh, she can see the light, but Neo can't. And then later, so then uh, they crash, and uh, Trinity gets uh, impaled. Really sad, really emotional scene. But uh, but then it comes back to that where. He can see the city of lights, and she can't see. It. You know, he's like, "I wish you could see what I could see." So yeah, they again, Wachowskis know what they're doing. Uh, but well, I will yeah. say the Trinity death scene is still way too long. It is so long. 
like I understand like we've spent so much time with him, we're very invested, but it was like just it's one of the things where it's like I feel like we could be doing something like medical attention at this point. Like <laughs> it extends so far, like and I remember seeing in theaters and it was like three quarters of the way through because she it's a very long it's a legitimately long dialogue monologue like sequence and someone in the theater screamed fight somebody <laughs> like, like, that, like at that point that, people had turned yeah that i'm sure that's the general consensus of movie going audiences in 2003 <laughs> yeah. fight somebody and just do it something and like again i think it's like it works well. I just think it should have been edited down slightly because yeah. it just it keeps going. You're just like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. I, I I love you know that scene, right? I do. Mm-hmm. I, I won't say it's too long. I'll say this though. My note, okay, is um, you first see, there's 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 a shot where you see something's wrong with Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. You see like maybe one you know thing, one of those spikes come through. Then there's a the shot, you know, pulls back and we see all these spikes going through her, like a ridiculous <laughs> amount. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> one or two would have done it, not like six yeah. coming through her body. <laughs> you know, right. uh, that always, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. pull it back with Justice. We get it. But, <laughs> but yeah, but the, uh, but the moments between uh, Keanu and Carrie and Moss is really, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it, it got to me this time, especially like I, I was fighting back tears in this scene. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I each time I see it, my heart breaks. I, like I said earlier, I, I love these two together. I love Kevin Mutt, love the characters, love the characters, Trinity. Yeah. And yeah, Sam, it breaks my heart too. It, yeah. yeah. I'll be the Grinch. I'm just always saying I think they have great chemistry. It's just one of the things where I was like, you're still. Like, I feel like like we could try to remove. Something. We could do something like, or also like clock is kind of ticking at the same time. Yeah, I don't that, want to be that guy, but save humanity. Like you have so many things sticking out of you. I, feel, <laughs> I don't want to be a rude. Uh, yeah. So uh, now the Sentinels uh, are finally—they're about to break through. Uh, so Neo goes, finally makes it to the source. Uh, and again, I just love this stuff. I love that that he like goes up and there's like the way he's like going through this tunnel of light, and then he comes to this giant mm. baby-faced. God of the yes. Machine, uh, the Deus Ex Machina. Again, not subtle. This is the God of the Machine. No. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I love it so much. Like he's basically like Neo's. Like, look, Smith's going to destroy us all. Let me fight him. Uh, and then I, this is the great. Uh, I like when Neo's, you know, struggling through, you know, accepting his position as the one. But he doesn't. He doesn't actually give a shit that he's the one. He just thinks. He can do it. Like he believes that he can. Right. Uh, and the the things like you know, what if you fail? Uh, you know, I won't. Like it's just a perfect Keanu moment. Like, yeah, I believe him. He's going to do this. Uh, and this is like the. I always think it's funny the way that they like uh, instead of doing something interesting, like new and like the way he they would get the, the he would let him back into the matrix. He just literally makes the this sentinel tentacles make a chair. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> um, but then this gets to the and yeah, I, go ahead, Rob. I was gonna say I really like the, the baby face of the Deus Ex Machina is really cool. And I kind of assumed that was like another, or it was a reference kind of to um, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know how like Michael Palin and the other torturers wear that baby right. face mask whenever they're doing stuff because we know that they love. Uh, we know the Wachowskis love uh, Gilliam because, you know, he shows up in Jupiter yeah. Ascending, a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, so I always thought that was like, just a fun thing of being, like, like 
that the machines have a weird sort of sense of irony. They're like, yes, I'm all powerful, but I'm also a baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it, so it finally leads to this confrontation that we've all been waiting for, mm. Neo versus Smith. And I remember people complaining, like, they wish it was bigger and more insane, but I'm like, no, I think it's perfect what? that, like, it all comes down to basically another duel between them. Uh, and mm-hmm. just, like, the score is amazing. Like, the full-on, like, yeah. chanting. Oh, my God. And the it's all in the rain. So uh, and the, just the army of Smiths. But then it's just down to... Smith, like, yeah, he could use all of them to swarm him again. But he doesn't think he needs to. Again, it's back to his... Who he thinks he is. And uh, But I also didn't really pick up on it until the last couple rewatches that... Uh, Maybe I just maybe the first time I saw it, I didn't pick up on it that this is that the Smith he's fighting is the Oracle uh, Smith mm-hmm. and That's right. yeah because like he basically says like I've seen myself winning uh, and again like just how this fight it's just a badass fight but then at the same time which we'll get to just that it subverts the expectations of how this uh, franchise ends uh, and. But let's first talk about just the badassness of this fight. Uh, <laughs> like, it's basically, like, there's... Uh, it's like, if the Wachowski... They had always kind of wanted to make a Superman movie, and this is basically their uh, Superman fight with just, like, two impossibly powerful dudes, like, just... And the way that they... The rain, like, impact... You know, like, the big sphere of rain, like, when they collide, mm-hmm. it's just... It's really awesome. Yeah, I would argue, actually, I was thinking about this, I wrote a note about it, was that I think more than X-Men and Spider-Man, and that would come about two years after, or in 2000, 2001, I think. Um, more than that, I think The Matrix, the first Matrix actually made people ready for a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And these two, because basically you're saying like, all right, we're introducing you to a heightened reality where things can get crazy and physics are kind of wonky, but it's super exciting to watch. And people are like, okay, that is fun. And so from there, then they can go on. And that's why also in, you know, the X-Men movie, they're all wearing leather, not unlike the Matrix and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's definitely this element that they really bring the, you know, I think the Doc fight has a lot of anime influences, you know, with the Mm -hmm. mechs and everything. And then this one has a lot of Western comic book influences throughout. Right. Yeah, it's it's the Superman, you know, fight that's... that we've always wanted, and we, we we've never got a better one. I also, uh, right? <laughs> Superman like, versus Darkseid in Justice League. Uh, <laughs> it's a cartoon. Listen, I'm hanging. It's out. a cartoon, but it counts. <laughs> well, it, it's it's. I mean, I I I'm not an anime fan. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to put that on the record. But I can see oh. their influence in it. You know, from mm-hmm. anime, you know, to this, you know, that and like kung fu movies, everything. Yeah. Um, comic books, all of it, it's all in here. And yeah, I, I, like, I like the fact it's just one on one. And it just has these moments of like insane hyper reality of like the, the fact that it's raining, the fact mm-hmm. that each raindrop, uh, you see a fist, you know, run through each raindrop uh, as we, you know, punch Agent Smith in slow motion. That's like, okay, that's amazing. <laughs> that's hyper real. And that's and, and that's what this is. So it's like okay, they're saying, hey, you know, audiences, you want this final fight mm-hmm. to be the best fight in the entire series? Well, it's close to it, or it might be the best fight in the series. I'm not sure. And it, but it, it and it has each type of the and like also I love how they have 
there's basically three stages. It's almost like a like a like a video mm-hmm. game where like the fighting video game where there's like they fight into different stages. Like and I like how they yeah. fight into the that building that kind of the uh the design of it kind of reminds you of the uh Neo's fight with Morpheus. Like it's kind of I mean it's Definitely. it's more industrial and delay you know, because it's this is like apocalyptic, but uh we still get this moment where this is the last just pure kung fu fight we get uh, of that, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Like the shot on silhouettes, where they, uh, you know, interesting angle. And again, like just the Wachowskis are so great at shooting action, and they're also with uh, you know Yuan Wu Ping doing the choreography. And uh, this is kind of the mm-hmm. moment where we get just them, you know, having a beautiful <laughs> kung fu fight. <laughs> yeah, and I want to point out we we mentioned Hugo Weaving before, but. I don't think Hugo even gets enough props in, ter- in, in being um, an action mm-hmm. star in this because <laughs> mm-hmm. he does a lot of his own, you know, punching and fighting in it. And you see him doing it. You see him fighting one on with Keanu Reeves. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, we haven't seen Hugo Weaving as like as much of an action star after this, right? Like he he's a solid character actor. I mean, yeah, he gets his moments movies. in, you know, in the in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, but like, still, not very much of it. It's like one scene. So yeah, this is the. I wish we had gotten more of it, but I get why he maybe just doesn't want it. You know, like, but it's great that we got that in these three movies. Like, we get to see people even kick all kinds of ass. And was he in costume in V for Vendetta, or is that someone else? And he just he did, just the, did voice. the voice. Yeah, I think he just did the voice. Yeah. Okay, I never was sure. Uh, um, but another thing I love about this is that it. What they do so well, and you know, you can see this in a bunch of like nerdy film theory discussions, is that it the fighting is exciting and really interesting and engaging because it's just two people, and you're actually invested mm-hmm. in the characters and invested in the income. But it also has a thematic level because it's again a binary. It's you know X versus Y. You know, it's those two opposites trying to fight each other, and the solution comes when Neo is like, no, there's another way. Like it doesn't have to be. We're not just going to knock each right. other out, and that's going to be the end of it. There has to be a, another solution. So, it creates both a emotional through line, but also an intellectual pull too. Right. So that's where we get to this, which I think is the my favorite thing about this movie, and how that the Wachowskis did went there is that like it and you know there's this moment where uh, Neo kind of realizes that fighting's not going to work. Like that's just. We could fight. They're equally matched. Like there's nothing. At some point, one of them's gonna just gonna keep. One of them's gonna lose, and that's gonna be bad because if Neo, so he just basically decides not to fight. Like that's huge. Like that's. Uh, I mean, again, this is a big budget sci-fi movie that's made. You know, the movie the movie's made like almost a billion and a half dollars, and it ends with just them deciding that Neo deciding that the war is only going to end if we come to some kind of peace. Like, that's what he wants. And uh, there's, yeah, there's no it's, winner. It's, like, it's... It's when uh, Smith slash Oracle says, you know, Neo, everything that has a beginning has an end. And, and that shot of Keanu Reeves reacting to that, Neo just coming to the realizations of, oh, I have to die. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the solution. Like, I have to... He, I have to let him, you know, beat me, and then have... Mm-hmm. And I have to die because of that. And then that'll be the end. Like, he... And, I, I guess having watched it so many times, I never, I, I, I kind of like maybe thought like, oh, he had that thought in the beginning or or, or something. But no, it wasn't until this past review where I realized, oh, he didn't realize that until the Oracle said it, mm-hmm. until Smith's, or, mm-hmm. Smith Oracle said it. And I'm like, oh, that's, 
beautiful. It's like he, it took him this long to realize he has to die, and it's it's something beautiful about it. The movie says so many things, but the fact that it, it touches on like death, like mm-hmm. it does here, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, again, that's another level that which the, the, the Wachowskis are playing it. Again, another reason why this movie <laughs> did not, you know, <laughs> spark the interest of the general audience is because yeah. they come out like you're saying, Sam. Like that's how you end your big blockbuster with the hero dying. <laughs> that's and it. and okay. also just they're not. But I mean, yeah, I mean that could happen that he would die, but that's it, like you think that he would die, but then also all the machines would die and the Matrix would be over. But right, instead, right, it's right. like, no, we can't do that because then what are they going to do with these millions of people in the, like <laughs> that, in a, in a, where there's no food or what? Like it's like uh, basically they need the Matrix at this point. It, it sucks, but it's that. But it's, it's that choice. It's like uh, that it ends with basically mm-hmm. saying we'll give them the option to leave, which we'll get to in a little. Yeah, but first, yeah, but Neo, uh, yeah, just making that sacrifice and. Way Hugo Weaving plays that, where he's like, "It's not fair." It's, yeah. Again, like, I guess it's corny, but it just it works. It like the, just we've established that Smith's kind of a overly dramatic dude, so like it, it's great. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's just him, him and his limited um, view in that him mm-hmm. only seeing one, one or two options, like either he wins or or Neo wins. You know, but he of course he saw that he was going to win. Smith was like, "I'm going to win." That's the only, that's the only resolution to this. Mm-hmm. The fact that he didn't see any other way of of it turning out like that's like that's that's how Hugo Weaving is selling it. Like, no, that's not fair. That's why I said it's not fair. So it's yeah. it's a beautiful final you know line from Weaving as he you know disintegrates. Well, yeah, it's like you know if you think about it, in the, the it's that you know anti the, that that sense of control in society like. What's gonna happen if if I don't if it's not my way like how you know I can't accept that the that it's gonna be this way of people having choice and having freedom and it's like you just can't compute with it and uh, yeah so they all explode uh, Neo gets you know it's full on like uh, when the Deus Ex Machina sends like this surge of energy it's like you know there's a cross and everything you know, it's like full oh, on Jesus Christ, you know <laughs> allegory yeah. but like. I like that. Like it's it's I I don't yeah no, it's, it's like good. it's very and it's very a uh, Hideaki Anno from Neon Genesis Evangelion. I know someone here hates anime, but yes, that's there's stuff <laughs> but, that's yeah, I mean, lifted from. I don't that. know. I don't know who you just said, Rob, but I'll say all right, all right. Uh, yeah, and I, I like that that the sentinel again, like the sentinels don't all explode or all drop dead. They just yeah. they just leave, and like that's I think that's a powerful you know moment, and they still get like they're all. Uh, the war is over, you know, celebration, and but then the movie ends with it doesn't end with you know Morphe, you know Neo and Trinity happily ever after because they're both dead. But it's like there's still this peaceful, uh, like back in, the fact that it ends in the Matrix uh, with the two mm-hmm. with basically God and the devil, right? Like it's the architect and uh, or it's not God and the devil, but it's more like it ends with the two creators of the Matrix, which is uh, the mm-hmm. architect and the Oracle, and. Uh, I mean, the head yeah, the heart. I don't know if the scene made no sense to me when I was when I first watched it as a kid. Like I didn't, again, I just didn't really pick up on the themes at that point. But watching it now, I think it's kind of the perfect final note to end on. Yeah, somebody who we know, Sam, uh, said that they did not like this ending, and they always skip it when they rewatch this movie. I'm not what? gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna name who it is, Matt Carrion, but I, um, <laughs> I, I thought about that when I when I rewatched it, and I'm like. 
I wanted to really seriously think about the importance of this of this final scene, and I think I understand it now because I I always liked it, right? But I I kind of was thinking like, why have it? And to me, it's <laughs> the, the the result of, of of me thinking about it kind of depressed me because here's what I think about it. I think yeah, like there's peace, and and they say it in in this final scene. They're like, mm-hmm. well, how long can that peace last? And, and like we don't know, and it's. It, it, it's hopeful, but it's also depressing that the, the, that the end of this ends with two people who have been kind of in control of things, like, you know, uh, of course, the architect and the oracle in her own way, kind of like, not manipulating, but kind of like moving chess pieces, mm-hmm. right? You end with these two, these, two, these two people in control in their own way, you know, talking about the future. And you, you don't end with the people who, you know, whose future has been changed. You end with the people who like are on like on top, mm-hmm. you know, talking about future. They know more about what's going to happen than you know people who are you know down in Zion or coming out of the Matrix. Right. So to me, it's like it, it ends. It ends there. There's always that layer of control, and it's a little depressing. Sure. Uh, at least the Oracle now knows, like, hey, there's peace now, and let's 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 savor it for as long as we can. But yeah, that's 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 what I make of it. You know, there's there's a there's a layer of hope, but there's also yeah. What it, yeah, we don't know what we don't know what's yeah, gonna happen. Like that's kind of the point. Like it's right. As, you know, as long as it can, is what she says. Like that's how long the peace will last. Yeah, and that I guess we that's can never, the risk of choice. Yeah, we yeah, can never right. escape that level of control. Uh, yeah, and then I like how you know Sati is very. It's kind of I, I want to think more on this because I just kind of had this realization this last rewatch. But like uh, that the so first like I like how we have one last thing. Uh, the cat, the deja vu uh, cat shows mm-hmm. up and meaning something's changed in the Matrix and like uh, bringing that all back is great. Uh, but Sati's kind of like, again, she was created by the system. Like the system, this control system of the Matrix uh, that is you know, considered evil and like that it's not giving humans freedom. But she was birthed because of it. Like if it hadn't existed, her kind of new sort of, she's almost like a new... Uh, life form, like a new type of uh, that she's a program with a soul. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of like and that kind of makes sense to the themes of the movie. Where like uh, that she's in, it's not going to end with a binary. It's not going to end with one side. It's going to be a a new thing. It's going to be something new from the ashes. And I, I think that's powerful. Again, this is just I haven't really fully explored that, but I think it's an interesting no. note to end on. And. Uh, Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think like the main theme for most of it, at least the conclusion, is the idea of synthesis, and I think that also works because they both have a literal in-world reason why Keanu or why Neo, <laughs> Keanu, but whatever, uh, defeats uh, Agent Smith, which is that the one, the code of the one, is re- is goes back to the Matrix, so the Matrix can mm-hmm. reset and therefore purge the Smith virus. Right. But it also is that individualism infects the horde, and therefore that allows you know just that like mentality kind of changes things. And suddenly, if that you know through line of being different or being more powerful or being human can go through and infiltrate the system, so it's kind of this idea that they're able to do things on multiple levels and make it all work, and still kind of have it all work within that blockbuster mm-hmm. structure just in a way that still does, you know, subvert. It's not just, you know, blowing up the in, in construction death star. And like, that's it apparently. 
um, you know, it's just something else going on. Yeah, and then that final line of, like, Salty asks, like, you know, or first she says, like, we see Neo again. She says, you know, I think we will. Uh, And then the final, you know, Seraph says, like, did you know that this was going to happen? And she said, you know, no, but I believed. You know, I believed. And that's the last line of the movie. Again, like, uh, and again, looking back at, you know, what the Trotskys have done since then with uh, Sensei, especially in terms of just how mm-hmm. hopeful, like as cynical as stuff as they can get sometimes they're, they're purely, they believe in love and like, you know, the, the hope and like, I just think it's a really beautiful ending. And, uh, I, I don't know. It's a big Kung Fu movie, you know, actor cyber that ends with, you know, this moment of ambiguity and, uh, that it doesn't, there's no winner. And I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. It, it, um, it all boils down to love, I think, for me. Or one of the main theses in the movie is love. And that's what permeates through, I think, all of their films, the Wachowskis. Mm-hmm. You know, we started out at the beginning uh, talking about that first scene in Revolutions about, uh, about how the programs, they know love. They can feel love. And we end with Neo and his ultimate sacrifice, and that is an act of love. And it's, it's coy, but the, you know, the Wachowskis, like we were saying earlier, they're operatic, you know, they don't mince words, um, they're very bold about what they believe, and one of the, one of those things is love. You know, love will carry us through. That's a cheesy thing to say. <laughs> I think, I, I, you, yeah. you see that in, I think, all of their movies, and it, that, that's why I, I connect with them so, so well, because, you know, it's it's a simple concept, love, and it's something hopefully a lot of people can understand. And yeah, it's not <laughs> it's it's a um, it's a through line, it's a theme that uh, it's unexpected for a movie of this size or, or this series, you know. But hey, you know that's the Chaskis. That's why I love them so much. I love that you know I uh, I just you know Cloud Atlas and Sensate are both also perfect from them and. But I think that it's fascinating mm-hmm. that they got basically three stories that are sadly, you know, recently uh, Lana said she's kind of uh, feels like she's accomplished as much as she uh, has wanted to and she's kind of saying she's kind of done for now and I hope that's not true. I hope we get to see many more from uh, them but also got to respect her. But uh, at the same time, like, we got these three stories that are basically their thesis statements and they're all this and Cloud Atlas and Sensator beautiful and uh i love the matrix that's you know it's i wish that we could you know talk more about i wish that she, they would work with keanu again so i'd have more episodes to talk about the wachowskis in this podcast but, <laughs> uh so yeah thanks so much for talking to me we, this is a great long episode about a uh, movie that i will that i love every you know more every time i see it so uh how about do you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off or do you think you've uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think. I was like, no, I just I think it's uh, definitely worth revisiting. Um, I think, you know, I think there was a lot of uh, ill will towards it, like immediately for some reason. Like people, oh, turned. they turned hard on it, yeah. and yeah, like after it Reloaded, which is weird because again, Reloaded is like it has all the action, it has all this other stuff, has really cool visuals and everything like that. So it's very odd to see like that drop off between Reloaded and um, Revolutions in terms of box office and stuff. But I definitely think it's worth revisiting. I think it's. Um, I would argue, you know, it's probably one of uh, Keanu Reeves' signature performances uh, or mm-hmm. roles as Neo. Um, you know, I think it's probably up there with, you know, like Johnny Utah and, you know, like Ted 
and John Wick, I would think would probably be the group. Yeah. But that's just and me. I think it's, I'm not the Keanu expert. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that Keanu's only worked with uh, one or two directors multiple times, and that's the Wachowskis, uh, and, there's the, and then also now Chad's the Helsky with uh, John Wick. And I think that's so interesting about Keanu that he's... But I, I like that these are the two that he's working that he's you know worked with multiple times and uh, mm-hmm. yeah I think it's uh, Keanu will this will all Matrix will always be my favorite Keanu movie and it's just uh, I'm just glad we got three of them that I like so much but uh, yeah I I have always and will always love these movies and the sequels I always be a defender of the sequels I've gone on record mm-hmm. a few times now. Um, <laughs> uh, I recommend anybody listening to this to listen to me and Rocky Juarez talk about the Wachowskis. I think we did that like maybe two years ago, and we just went on about each other movies. So, and I was with Rocky uh, uh, during the Keanu marathon, so you know how much love you know Keanu. <laughs> and I was with Rocky. He and I went to uh, the, the the Matrix trilogy marathon uh, where they played all three in a row. Oh, cool! And that was amazing. I think that was like maybe three or four years ago. But yeah. Um, I will be seeing these movies, you know, forever and ever until the day I die. So yeah, and I <laughs> that's how much I, that's how much I love them. Yeah, and I'm yeah, I, I I would encourage anyone listening who maybe hasn't seen them in a long time because they wrote off the sequels. I would recommend you give it another chance. Maybe watch them all in one day, someday, you know, and give it a <laughs> shot with an open mind. And I think you might, you know, find some new th- new things to appreciate. But awesome! Thanks so much for joining me, guys. Thanks so much Thank for having you. me. Uh, okay, uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Join me next time where we'll be discussing Something's Gotta Give. Until then, keeping excellent to each other. Awesome.